0: Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scaff. He's Mike Merman. Today, we're because all the championships are done from last week, uh, we are forced to talk about the Royals at length, I suppose. Uh, we're going to have to bite the bullet and actually talk about something we don't want to talk about. Uh, Bad state of affairs. And uh, we'll also talk about some NFL and, and Chiefs news uh, towards the end of the show. But uh, the we'll start today uh, with the Royals getting their 20th victory, now 73 games into the season. Uh, how excited are you for that 20th win, Mike? Well, I think they've
1: officially passed what the Chiefs are able to win this calendar year. So I think the Chiefs, if they win um, all the regular season games, this calendar year would we'll be able to win 19 but i think if they won all their preseason they'd still be above 20 um so it's yeah. it's a rather ignominious uh honor that the uh, royals yeah, i think
0: four would be the most games that a team could win or have i guess in a season right because it's 17 regular season plus the three preseason yeah and then max of four playoff games i guess right is that
1: yeah, if they but if they won seventeen games. They wouldn't.
0: Um, yeah, you, you playing. So you I guess they were playing twenty four games. We could only win twenty three. Yeah. Yes. So right.
1: the Chiefs won. I think all of their calendar year games so far. They had a couple regular season, and and. Oh, oh,
0: well, looking at it from that way. Okay, looking at the calendar year.
1: Yes, but, but I think I guess I guess season as well would be the same. Um, because the idea I guess you would start well, maybe just the the fluctuations of the calendar might might you might play more weeks in you know, September through December than some than in some years than other years, depending on when Sundays fall. But I think in general, yeah, you can win about 23 games if you include preseason right now, where the NFL is uh, played, because you're 17 regular season and then three Two four, but if you if you if you're gonna like you said if you're gonna play four, you can't win as many of those regular season games so unless somehow I guess there were multiple seventeen and O teams, which is possible if the teams don't play each other like in the AFC. Right. Like if the, so, if it had been you know like the mm-hmm. the Chiefs didn't play like the Dolphins last year, so theoretically the Dolphins could have gone seventeen and O and the Chiefs could have gone seventeen and oh and then maybe one of the the chiefs could have lost the tiebreaker somehow based on common opponents or, or, or something like that. And
0: it, so it I guess, would come down to some kind of like three-way coin flip yeah. where somebody has to, because they would, they, they would have the same record. They'd have the same record against their opponents because they mm-hmm. would have won all their games. Right. So, yeah.
1: It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Maybe points scored. But like yeah, because um, there's only one buy because there's only one buy now. So there used to be two buys. So if you had two seventeen on teams, they would still yeah. only play three games. But now with the one buy, only one team could. So I guess yeah, you'd have to have two two undefeated teams in the same conference to possibly get that extra win for one of the teams, right? Which, which seems pretty so it's remote. Still possible. It's still possible. It is still possible to win. Um, twenty four games. So you are meaningless and perhaps growing more meaningless every year. So it's it's one of those things where I guess it's kind of three coin flips you'd have to win. So you have a you know, one in eight shot shot, I guess, of winning all winning three. Um if you're a normal team that doesn't really care about the preseason. Right. But yeah, you know, maybe I don't think I I can't, you know. I think teams do have a, they do talk about going undefeated in the season and through the playoffs, but I don't think anybody talks about winning all the preseason no games. So that would be a record in in well, we'll talk about the Chiefs championship rings later, but maybe that would be um, included on them. Um, Well, we're but the Royal. Let's let's go back to the Royals who have um. Won their 20th game this year. That it used to be. So they're almost halfway through the season. They're 20 and 53, I believe. Correct. And so it's 73 games. So only eight more games to the halfway point. And I think there's, I think we calculated earlier before the broadcast, they're, percentage, they're winning, uh, they're on the pace, on their pace, on pace to win 44 games and lose 118 games this year, which would be one of the worst. Maybe only. Third uh, worst, right? Yeah, third worst ever for a hundred sixty-two game season. Yes. There are teams that were worse in the nineteenth century, like the Cleveland Spiders that went 1 in one thirty-four,
0: I believe, in like
1: yes. eighteen ninety nine or something. But um
0: so we have we have matched the eighteen ninety nine Cleveland yeah, so Spiders. That was the fewest game. wins for
1: a, a, a team. So the Royals could mm-hmm. lose. Well, actually the Royals would need to win one more too. Because if they if they Royals lost all out. It would be the percentage would be worse than this so they would Much they need worse. to win um at least one uh, probably two maybe two more uh two more to make it uh healthy uh to uh pass uh the spiders I think but yeah this has been a bad season I guess we don't know exactly why the Royals have been so bad. Maybe we do, but they've just been bad everywhere. Um is there a thing like is there a a thing that uh they they do worse even than their other bad things like what, what how are the royals even worse than bad is it like what's what's the worst quality that the royals have?
0: Well, you- yeah, one I I started looking at um two different things that I thought would be at least telling for how the team seems to be performing at least anyway. One of them was just looking at the pitching staff and what how what kind of performance they've gotten out of their their starters by rank like the rank. So like Grinky as our ace, our one starter. Jordan Lyles was a free agent they brought in. Um became the That's number two starter. Um and those those two slots have extremely underperformed this season. Uh underperformed even the other three slots in the rotation. Um Grinky is only one in seven on the season personally but the team is only three and 12 in the games that he's started. And part of that is because the bullpen isn't very good and he's not able to go very deep into the games. He's only averaging about five and a third innings per start. Yeah, Is,
1: that, is he on a pitch count or is he just, or they just think he's old and, and they don't want to wear him out. Is there, is I there any like official
0: that, but when they, when they brought him in, you know, as a free agent, I thought it was like, Oh, well, you know, maybe he'll, maybe they're going to have him be a reliever or, you know, like a four or five starter, because that's about where he would, you know, slot on most teams anyway, but the Royals wanted him in the one spot. So probably just because they wanted him to start opening day at least anyway, because that's sort of a yeah. marquee game and having a marquee player in that nostalgia. Spot, yeah. You know, yeah. Nostalgia wise is probably why, Um, but it's not done him any favors anyway. It's like, you know, you're, if you're, if your ace is only getting you, you know, three wins out of 15 games, that's, not great, and that's just the team's performance in his starts. But he, yeah, you know, he's only one and seven on the season anyway. But Lyles has been a complete disaster. Fifteen starts this season, the team has lost all fifteen games that he has started. Really? So they've won zero games. Yeah, he, Lyles has- personally is zero and eleven on the season, which is you'd think would be oh, that's terrible. Is really you- bad anyway. But the team has actually lost the other four games. He didn't get a decision and either, so... I didn't realize things were that bad in the number two spot. I knew uh, Lyles was having a
1: bad year, but, like, the Royals...
0: Yeah.
1: So he's having a bad year, even uh, by Royals standards.
0: Yeah, so, they, you know, they, they brought him in because he's been known as an innings eater, basically, you know, he may not have a superb ERA, but he's going to be able to give you a lot of innings. Mm-hmm. Also, that is not what you want as your 2 slot as a franchise. No, no, you want, like, a four... You want them in the four spots so that he can get your bullpen rested for the fifth starter, who's probably, you know, your weakest link amongst your starters. And, uh, you know, probably a lot of the bullpen is going to be pitching on the fifth day. So if your four starter can go deep into the game, they're not going to be exhausted, uh, you know, for the rest of the week after that performance, at least anyway. And, you know, from the one and two, each guy's only averaging five and a third and five and two thirds innings per game. So the bullpen's getting taxed everywhere else after this. And those one, two guys are not performing at all. So the combined team record in the one and two starters positions, three and 27 on the so season. That's a 100 winning percentage. if I did my math. Right? Yeah.
1: That's by and far that, worse, even
0: though the Cleveland spiders and, I, and, and I don't think that's, you know really necessarily the players fault that this is the team that was constructed you know with this intention at least anyway it just seems like the the order of which the players are being you know used is not correct at least anyway and it wasn't correct before the season started and it's definitively incorrect at this point in the season anyway but you can't you can't change it now because like the rotation order is fixed um for days off so the the next chance you have to reset is um you know, the all-star break, uh, which doesn't come up until July. So uh we'll have to see how they come out of that all-star break. If they re if they reset the, the positioning, at least of the starters, the yeah, three, four, good. five positions have been much better than the, the one, two, at least anyway, Keller was started in the three spot. The team is six and nine in that three spot starter. Now that now that Lynch has taken over, was healthy and taking over, and he pitched today. yeah a good game tonight. Yeah, well, uh, seven innings, uh, no runs allowed, and only one hit allowed too. Oh, so one
1: hit, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Royals almost gave it up with some shaky bullpen work, but they managed to pitch the one zero shutout against Detroit, um, in Detroit tonight. So that was their twentieth, yeah, win. So, so, but the three spot has done okay ish. At least, at least it was sort of at or, least sort of in routine-y. comparison. It's very good in
0: comparison. Like,
1: and that's if your thirds, you, you ideally you would think, well, your third starter is not going to be your best starter. If he, if if three and four can stay somewhat even close to 500, yeah. Like one and two are supposed to be carrying it. You, you think, okay, we're going to have a maybe a 70%, you think, oh, 70% winning percentage when our first starter pitches maybe 60, second, 50, 40, 30. And that would, uh, on average get us to be about five hundred um if we have the five starters uh, right It probably won't be quite that but like yeah so um but yeah this the, I, I saw that Lynn uh I mean uh I mean uh, Lyles um, he is number one in losses with eleven. He is three above any other major league player. Uh, Lance Lynn for the Chicago White House has eight. He's also allowed the most earned runs in the major league this year. Uh, 64. Lance Lynn is second again with 61. Brady Singer is number three in earned runs. We'll talk about him in in the fourth slot next, I guess. And Zach Grinke is number five in losses with seven tied. Um, So, um, And the other pitching bad stats, you know, the the Royals do not lead. No Royals player leads uh, the league in wild pitches. You know who leads the league in wild pitches? I have no idea. That is uh, uh, Shohei Ohtani who really uh, He has eleven so far. Wow. Brad Keller is tied for second with seven wild and,
0: and he, he hasn't even pitched the whole year. So yeah, he's been out for uh, quite a while. Yeah, so maybe he's, he would um, have. He's missed the last six starts. So yeah, um, yeah. probably for, in terms of yeah, maybe probably maybe, yeah, maybe maybe just play per
1: play. game. I bet he is number one. And also, he's probably pitched fewer innings than
0: that's yeah per start. But so, so he did make nine starts, and the team was four and five in his starts, which is on this team is an ace basically, right? So that's uh, it's unfortunate that he went down with an injury, but it's also unfortunate that the team didn't, you know, keep him in that number one slot. I think anyway, because he was the opening day starter in twenty twenty but then was demoted when they signed Grinky which is what i thought was not a great idea at least strategy wise for somebody that you consider to be a prospect to demote after he's achieved the uh, number 1 you know position right yeah that's that's not a great look for like how to manage people just in general anyway um yeah that and then that yeah the number 4 slot in the Pitching rotation is Brady Singer, I mean, he's four and six, but the team is six and eight in his starts, which is actually the best amongst the starters.
1: Yeah, so the three four is, but they've been kind of doing their job, especially yeah. on a
0: like mediocre to worse
1: team that you would again th- thinking the Royals coming in, they were probably gonna probably have a sub five hundred record, but you thought well maybe they could win mid to high seventies even uh, out of a hundred, you know, the yeah. seventy five and 87 or 77 85,
0: something like that. But if you're really yeah. trying to construct a roster, you really hope that that guy can pitch enough innings that he can protect that fifth day's bullpen, right? So, and, yeah, and he's not, and Singer isn't able to do that right now. He's only thrown about five innings a game, I think. So, there's, yeah. he's got six over six ERA. Yeah. Yeah. And then that the fifth slot has been just a rotating slot of injured pitchers it started as uh boobitch who's out now on the 60 day disabled list uh and then they kind of switched to a bullpen game or an opener game mm-hmm. and so they've kind of gone through a rotation of Taylor Clark, Ryan Yarborough who then got hit with a ground ball or line drive i guess I mean, and he went on the um injured list with mm-hmm. a fractured orbital bone yeah that's um, that was a that was
1: a um, ugly or scary injury
0: yeah but it sounds like he's recovering okay and maybe on his way to coming back but it's still gonna be quite a while Is he gonna,
1: you think he'll wear like one of those
0: shields I or would something i'm
1: not or like face mask type of i would guess thing? so yeah I mean,
0: and then I would uh, if
1: I lost, yeah.
0: Let's see. Uh Taylor made one start. Carlos Hernandez made a couple of starts in that fifth slot. Mike Myers made um two appearances there. He actually the team actually won both of the games that he started. Hmm. Uh, and now he's been designated for assignment and is off a team. Oh and, he was he was doing too well, I guess, for these. And then uh Stalmont made one opener appearance that they won that game also. Was uh, that the
1: style, was that when Stal, then, was that the game where they almost pitched the, the um think, the, the perfect game against the Cardinals, the Stalmont so, opening?
0: Oh yeah. And then I think Myers followed him in that one, yeah. And those and so Myers is gone though. And well, now off the team and Stalmont is um on the disabled list or on the injured list. So Um, yeah that slot hasn't uh, been terribly productive you'd you'd think by the rotation of players that have been in there anyway but the team's only 5 and 9 in those starts which is still considerably better than in the uh, number one or number two slots in the um, you know in the rotation Um, one other thing I thought was interesting anyway I looked at just to be just to check I was like I was curious to see like well maybe Lyles has been really unlucky and the team hasn't scored any runs in his appearances. Mm -hmm. I actually added them all up the team has scored 21% of their runs in his starts, which is almost exactly what you'd expect for, you know, for uh, mm-hmm. one-fifth of the... Yeah, the- it seems about average, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah so they haven't went, been
0: worse than the other... Uh, but, they, but the team there. has given up 26% of their runs in that slot, which is a hot... So they've given up a lot of runs. But the player that has the most um to say over how many runs are allowed in the game is the starting pitcher. The so. runs have given up
1: twenty six percent of the runs they've given up. So like For the whole so, season. So they've given up they have also given up a lot more runs than they've in scored. In that start. In that number two starter slot. Yes. So they also yeah, so they but they've given up more runs than they've scored total. So they're even if they give twenty one percent of their runs and yeah. score twenty one percent of their runs, they'd still be It's not equal, unrated. yet. Yeah, so they'd still be well under 500 because they've they've allowed 100. I think, I think they're minus 113 right now in run differential, which isn't the worst in the league. But that's the Oakland A's, but yeah, um, I think like you said uh, to me earlier that the Royals should have had should have about 27 or 28 wins if uh you know by I mean, the Pythagor three, Pythagorean Pythagorean record maybe
0: I think that's where they if they were 24 before today. I think 20 they'd be 25 now with the win. I think anyway. So. Okay, so they're
1: about five wins at least. Under where they should be, even being terrible.
0: Right. Right. And so that means they're doing something, at least you'd think, decision-making-wise, that's costing them a few extra games. And that and that and that is what I wanted to lead into for the, the second part of this. Pitching staff was the, was the number one thing I thought was uh, probably most telling about why your team hasn't done well. Number two is about like, um, how the team handles the, the lineup after a win. So Saturday, the team won dramatic comeback. They're down eight to two in the uh, seventh inning, and they managed to come back to win ten to nine in that game. Uh, walk out. amazing win, Taylor in his first that, game that broke and that broke their ten or eleven game losing streak. In-game losing streak snapped with that with that game. Um, but the lineup I thought was it, it makes sense at least on paper. Anyway, they've got Nick Prado was leading off, Bobby Witt getting two. Um, Sal Perez was third, Melendez four, Oliveras was DHing at five, and then Garcia Lopez, Samad Taylor in the eight spot, Drew Waters nine. They, so they scored ten runs that day. The roster lineup set for the sec, for the Sunday game then against the same team. It is an opposite-handed pitcher, but instead of Prado not being in the game at all because he guess he's left-handed, they had Matt Duffy leading off. Why I don't know and playing first base, why again? Why I don't know. Um, Bobby yeah. Witt, Sal Perez said the same. Michael Garcia got moved up to the four spot for some reason. Some hot Taylor, who's played one major league game, is now hitting fifth. They won the game before, so I guess that's why they moved him up. So he has to be up, up there, I guess. Sal, who was the catcher the day before, is now DHing. So Freddie Fermin is catching this game, hitting in the sixth slot. Nikki Lopez is still there at seven. Um, then they also subbed um Dairon Blanco Blanco in in right field. Uh, and so he was hitting eight, and Drew Waters stayed in the nine slot. So to me, to me, it just seems like you just won a game, don't change anything.
1: I I, I, I yeah. there's no
0: reason for wholesale changes. And and there weren't just wholesale changes like in the lineup, but they moved guys around on the infield too. So like Nikki Lopez was playing s- um, third base the day before, now he's playing second base this day, and and like this, everybody was in a different slot on yeah, the I guess board, you could say and Sunday and in, the, and in the lineup. And they also made two roster moves between Saturday and Sunday two bring on two different players, designated one guy for assignment, sent another guy to the injured list. It's just that there were big changes that were being made, you know, one day after they just finally got this win, anyway, right? So um, I think there's no consistency I and mean, that kind of stuff drives me crazy at least anyway. Like this. yeah, I suppose one thing for the Royals change, but like I don't mm-hmm. get the wholesale changes
1: all at once. If I yeah, if I were stepping in for the Royals, I would say that Sunday at least is the usual off day that uh, players get. So maybe that was scheduled in advance. Or that that's just what you know that was planned. So we, we move things around on Sunday, but I guess it doesn't make much sense when the when the Royals seem to only win on Saturdays, maybe, and then maybe. yeah, uh, and then they switch it back, and then they have a a bad um, start to the week, maybe. But usually, I think Sunday the day game after the night game, or especially a Sunday day game after a night game, it seems to be that's that's the that's the the game you give yeah, usually. You know, you'll give
0: Salvi the. Uh, DH spot or the day off or something like that. So, like, I guess they're doing it like that. But and I'm okay with that. With that, especially with Sal. But you don't need to make changes in three or four slots on the same day. You could do one at a time, and you know, average out those changes so they're not so dramatic in one particular day. Anyway, so that that's the kind of thing that like I, I find irksome at least. Anyway, when I when I follow this team and. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll see what happens anyway. But a guy who didn't play the day before gets <laughs> put in the number one slot in the lineup anyway. But that also doesn't seem to matter to them anyway. I don't know why.
1: Are the Royals doing worse against lefties or righties? Do you know?
0: Well, um, I'm not sure. I haven't really looked at the splits on that. I do know from having read the book. Uh, about baseball statistics Um, they don't think the righty lefty matchups are meaningful until you have enough at bats to know that there is a split as a hitter against same or opposite-sided pitching so since all these players that the royals are using on a day-to-day basis are very young you shouldn't assume that a guy can't hit same-handed pitching because you're biasing him against it for later in his career too, you may actually be ruining their chances of being a more balanced player as they develop by coddling them at this phase of their development. And since this is a very much a learning year, I think they're doing more harm than good by trying to protect players mm-hmm. uh, from handedness of pitcher.
1: Yeah, like you had said, like, like if they only face right-handed pitchers, of course they're going to be better at right-handed. But They never actually learn how to face a left-handed pitcher when they come into a, uh, that, that situation later. They're not going to do it. That was maybe one good thing that Ned Yost did, in that he tended to leave the lineups the same and keep it and even play guys against lefties when maybe they sh- shouldn't really play against lefties all the time. Like, he was, uh, you know, maligned, I think. Though, so. For some of that stuff, but he, you know, I guess he it got results. He won, he went to two World Series uh, for, yeah. with the Royals and won one more, one of them. So, and almost won the second one. So, you know, it's, a, it's, I think, maybe a testament to some of the old, I guess, some of the old, I guess, idea of what's like you had said, one of the things that you thought the Royals were, were going to do was play their young guys. And they really didn't because they maybe wanted to get a couple of. Older players in and maybe flip them for prospects at the deadline, but that seems to have hampered the development of these younger players.
0: Well, there's, I think there's a way to do that. And that's, and that's kind of like, you know, you, you still bring those guys in, but you don't necessarily play them on a daily basis. I think you have them on the roster to at least, you know, guide the young players from the background. And then if one of them falters, then you have a veteran to fill in the faltered position. Right. So so um you know maybe you don't have to try to feature jackie bradley jr on you know the second third fourth day of the season but they can be on the roster and you know helping nate eaton and and uh kyle isbell become a better center fielder for the first couple of weeks and if one of them you know is great or isn't great then you know he's right there to just to take over the spot and then if you know if he does take over the spot then then that's a trade piece at the deadline but uh you know they tried to feature these guys early and and they none of them worked out and they've DFA'd a couple of them already and and uh they're not going to get any value for what they what they spent on the you know those free agent acquisitions not that some of them were very expensive but it's still a waste of time and and a waste of you know, player development time then too in some cases they may have actually you know harmed some of the development by not allowing them playing time at any level because they kept him on the major league roster instead of sending him down triple a to just play in, on a daily basis so it uh it's a little maddening to see how they've handled it in such a kind of silly way but it doesn't it doesn't make sense like from the numbers side of it either so i don't i don't think this is the managers doing. I think this is the franchise
1: okay.
0: um, philosophy that's harmed the team. I was just going to ask
1: if you thought that, Again, you know, we thought earlier that Matt Quattrero would have to do really, 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 really badly this first year to lose his job. And right now, this, the team is doing really, 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 really badly. Is his job in jeopardy, do you think?
0: let the world's finished do... with
1: under 50 wins. Is can
0: it... If if you're competing for a major league record for losses in a season, um, your job has to be on the line, no matter who you are, first year, second year, tenth year coach. They're all going to be, you know, having to justify their position at least anyway. Uh, I don't think he's likely to be fired. I don't see how they can finish with, you know, this badly. But, I mean. Some of the things that they do, or um, just seems like they're trying to lose in some way rather than that. It's like you know, you win a game and then you change your lineup dramatically the next day. It looks like you're punishing players for winning, is what it looks like.
1: Yeah, we so saw Mike Myers isn't on the team anymore. He was uh, instrumental in that big win. I, I, I just just going back to the manager being fired. I, I, I was. It's curious just now I looked it up. Um the worst team of the 21st century so far has been the 2003 Detroit Tigers. They went 43 and 119. That was Alan Trammell's first year as manager. He was given two more years. Um the team in 2004 finished 72 and 90, 2005 71 and 91. And Managed three
0: seasons. Uh, but not um was that, that was, was that Verlander's first year too that Two thousand three team. I'm sorry, what
1: was that? Yeah. Was that Verlander's first year? It was. I, was I think Verlander three? started the year after. Was I'm not three? sure. It could have been. That was the year they had a lot of young pitchers. That was like the Mike Maroth. Um. So Justin Verlander started two thousand five. Okay. So uh two thousand three Tigers lineup starting lineup. Let's just look it up. Um, their uh pitching staff was Nate Corn. It was uh. They had the young pitching stuff was Nate Cornejo, Mike Marath were 21 losses. Number one, number two stars. Mike Marath had 21 losses that year. Yeah. Nick Cornejo had 17. He was 6 and 17. Marath was 9 and 21. Jeremy Bonderman, young pitcher at that point, 6 and 19. Yeah. So three three of their top three pitchers averaged 19 losses. Yeah. And in uh, modern baseball, it's tough to win or lose that many games. It's tough to win 20 games. It's also tough to lose 20 games. And and, and uh, it was, yeah, it, they each only had, they didn't have the full complement of starts even. Uh, Jerry Bonnerman went 6-19 and 28 games started. So I yeah. don't
0: know how that quite Works, but maybe he piled up some losses and in, in relief appearances though. Just that's possible too. By yeah. by chance, three, to three total games, so maybe he had a few relief losses. I don't
1: know. That he was, had five was other games
0: here in the league too. That's what's really tough about that. Yeah,
1: Mar- so like Marath was supposed to be a an up and coming pitcher. He never really amounted to a whole lot. Is well, he was terrible that first year, but or that year, but he wasn't
0: Nate hey, Cornejo. um so he he made his first Bonderman made his first twenty seven starts, and then then they made him into a reliever. They switched him to relief for the last couple weeks of the season, and but he did not take any losses as a reliever. All the losses were as a starter. Okay. So
1: the the, the Tigers by the end of the decade, the Tigers were were a solid team. Even by two thousand six, so they so they they got rid of um, tram after three years. Then they got Jim Leland in. And they finished 95 and 67 and lost the World Series in 2006 to the Cardinals. Remember. And then uh, they finished 88 and 74, just out of the wild card, I guess, at that point. Um, 74 and 88 in 2008. Um, 86 and 77 the next year under Leland. 81, 81. So they, and then they were in the World Series again or in the ALCS again in 2011. So that was I guess the when Melchi, when uh, Miguel Cabrera was really um, starting to play. Yeah, a lot for the team. So his his first year with Detroit was 2008. Um he began his career with the with the Marlins, but I th- right. I think most he was really good with the Marlins. But I think I think most of us remember his years with the
0: Tigers. I guess he's still
1: technically with the Tigers. He hasn't it been is. so good this year, but um
0: they definite. played yesterday. I, mean, I remember seeing him in the game yesterday. Yeah, I don't
1: know if he played. Well, he didn't. guess if he played today, he didn't score. You know, again, nobody got hits. It was only one. It was only one hit. I think
0: at least through. I think two total. Yeah, there was one hit in the yeah. ninth, also off off of uh Uh, Bar, Scott Barlow. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, still. Yeah. So, yeah, they're not looking so good. There are plenty of way, like you know, ways to figure out what is going wrong because there's a lot of things to point at. As uh, you know, to what's faltering this season and causing all of these losses. Uh, but the uh, management is not helping, I don't think much, and you can tell that just with the difference between the uh, actual win loss record and the expected win loss record from the uh. Run differential. Are are do you, is, does it have anything to do with? Do you think that the
1: new stadium being moved? Or, I think that's somewhat news we haven't talked about. Was that there are, we're down to two potential stadium sites for the Royals. It's the what they call the East Village, Village East lot, which is, you know, the eastern part of the downtown loop where the old like, MC Sports Castle, was right, and near near the near the uh. uh City Hall, yes. federal courthouse stuff. And then also the NKC Pro Bowl, former NKC Pro Bowl facility in North Kansas City, uh you know, across the river from downtown, which I guess in some ways would you know, make some sense, but like it seems odd that they would move there since they wanted a downtown stadium. They didn't want a downtown right. north a Towns- stadium.
0: Right. If it, it may maybe the um advantage for having North Kansas City would be the skyline of Kansas City would be right behind the stadium in the uh, TV shots, at least anyway. Yeah. Well, so that that may be, you know, something they're considering, at least. I don't know. <laughs> but it is yeah. it is a weird, it is very strange that it's that the North Kansas City site is still on the list. And that's, you know, down. Yeah, distance.
1: I guess. So it, it seems like they're, I don't they're
0: destined not to win. But I guess if. Something happens with the Village East.
1: I don't know. But like, yeah, it's, it's strange to me, but I don't know if they're like, if is this the new new ownership? Like, we don't really care what's going on the last few years at
0: Kaufman. Yeah.
1: We just want a good team to be ready for the new stadium. We're just going to.
0: But Maybe... I don't see what the team's record has to do with moving the team. All I know is it makes people complain about, it. like, well, if you want a new stadium, you then you have to like win games. That's the argument I hear a lot. I don't. I think that argument is asinine. It's like people mm-hmm. will go to the games wherever it is, as long as it's in town and they can get to it. Mm-hmm. I think more people will go to more games if they can get to the get to the stadium more easily. And a more centrally located stadium seems like you will have a, a higher base attendance, no matter what your team's record is.
1: Yeah, especially we if you have like a stadium that is walkable from some people's residences. Yeah, not that many people live downtown, but more people live live downtown than right by the Truman Sports Complex, which is no no one lives there between Kansas City and Independence, kind of, but Raytown, but it's like nobody, yeah, nobody lives right there. You can walk from the,
0: you know, I don't know that anybody would want to walk from the nearby areas to the stadium though either. Yeah, I used
1: to walk sometimes, uh, park by the uh, Dixon's Chili
0: Parlor or in one of the hotel uh yeah. Denny's lots or something, but they, they kind of cracked down. But that, but that would be like on a game day where you'd be okay walk because there's lots of people around. But yeah, yeah. In any other day, it's probably not the greatest place to go walk anyway. There's a highway right there anyway, so yeah, it's true. Yeah. Did
1: you ever? um Did you ever eat at Dixon's Chili? Have you eaten mm-hmm. that? No, never did. It's interesting. It's an interesting place. They have at least they did before before COVID. I don't know if they still do now. They had. All you could eat tacos at Dixon's Chili. That was that was pretty good. So like you would use the, they would use the chili meat. Oh. Dixon's does it differently because like they you like assemble the chili. It's dry and it's like meat, and then you add beans and like and you can pour like juice and stuff on it. But it's like a drier chili. Wow. Huh. so it works really well for tacos. So you can like use the chili meat in the taco shell, and then you get like you know cheese and lettuce and stuff. But it's. Yeah, it
0: was pretty good when I
1: had the all-you-can-eat tacos at Dixon's Chili, but that was probably ten years ago. I don't know if they do that I mean,
0: But I don't even know if it's still there. I don't. Know. I assume it is. But there used
1: cool. to be several Dixon's parlors around. Um, uh, that was one of Harry Truman's favorite uh, restaurants. Yes, and apparently Dixon's Chili, there's still one on East. Highway forty or forty highway for from Kansas City, we say forty highway. Um, yes. Do, do, you, do you say forty highway? Or do you say highway forty? Like a normal I think thing. that one. That one's forty highway. That's just forty highway. Sixty nine. It's sixty nine highway. Forty highway. Right. Um. I don't think most people say two ten highway. You say highway two ten. I, so, I don't yeah. know. 160, 169 highway. It's One sixty nine highway. Yeah. Um. Sometimes highway one sixty nine maybe, but seventy
0: one is it? Seventy one highway? They just call it seventy-one now. I think, anyway. Yeah, I. Think it became they just call you, it I
1: forty-nine right? farther south. Right. So, um,
0: yeah, I just I just call them by the highway numbers, except for forty, which we still call forty ooh, highway. Yeah. yeah, twenty-four highway, twenty-four. Uh, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, I think that gets that name too.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those
0: quirky kind of Kansas City area things that. Um, I guess, so. but that's just the name of like the street, though it's actually called Forty Highway, right? Not it's not just Highway Forty. But, it says um, it on the on the on the
1: street signs Forty. Yeah, I'm it. sure that comes from the weird parlance of <laughs> Kansas City, where we say they say it. It's one of yeah. You think of Kansas City as being somewhat um, like you it would have it's it's middle America, so you think it has like the kind of average speech of everybody, but there are little quirks like that but yeah i like the 40 40 highway yeah yeah uh, the 69 69 highway 40 highway 20, yeah there's yeah anyone that ends yeah they don't say you never say 40, they never say x70 like interstate though or right um maybe maybe you should start saying it that way and see if it catches on or 435i rather than i435 or something right. which would be funny i think and yeah, I'm sure there's other ones that that um like I can't think of right now, but so the, the um right now, yeah, the the stadium is where it is,
0: and it's right next to it's right next to Arrowhead for I guess. for another seven years. I mean, this isn't yeah. a new thing that's going to happen like overnight. This is a, EHA field at Arrowhead, yeah. a long term plan to get the stadium moved. Yeah. Anyway, so, it it seems like it is a done deal. Basically, is that is that the the kind of I mean, assessment. I think the main thing is that the owner has indicated that his intention is to move the the stadium. But I think it I mean a part of it is that you know the Chiefs are going to want a new stadium too and and uh you know if the Royals move then the Chiefs can use the old Royals stadium, if they knock it down, then they've got a place to build new Arrowhead mm-hmm. without having to find another site to relocate. Yeah. Also, because there's been talk of them, you know, try, the, you know, Casey Kaye trying to steal the Chiefs, which I think it will be a cold day in hell if that cesspool ends up with the Chiefs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they have they have
1: the they have the uh, Sporting KC. They have the I guess is is the NASCAR track. Is that as big as it was? Is like are, is, are the races still
0: big? they have like two races a year, I think there, but it's largely unused most of the time but there i mean there is a big complex of you know restaurants and and uh shopping areas that have that, Village, you know, developed divorce. around that um yeah. the, the big thing that moved over that way was the Cerner headquarters though where the state of kansas ponied up 200 million dollars in start funds to uh construct a campus for cerner before uh the pandemic and uh cerner has not only not occupied it, they have now sold the company to Oracle and are more or mm. less leaving most of their buildings and going to a more work from home or transitioning to a work work for Oracle for, from Oracle, I think is what's going to happen. So doesn't, you know, North Kansas City is losing the actual Cerner headquarters. Uh, mm. Officially, I think they're They're like consolidating all of their workforce to the Grandview Triangle. Okay, so where the old um, Marion Labs, Marion Merrill Dow, um, Quintiles
1: was. My dad, my dad used to work work there for uh, some. Down down at Three Trails Crossing, right? Isn't that what it's called now instead of the Grandview Triangle? Uh, Is it? I don't know. I think it was three. I think they tried to call it Three Trails Crossing, and. Like, I don't know if you listen to traffic reports anymore because yeah, I, I lived there for a while, but I think, um, yeah. it didn't quite take off. But yeah,
0: I try not to go down that way because it's a uh... yeah. Yeah, li- li- yeah, on Wikipedia, I'm looking
1: it up. So the Wikipedia article is called Grandview Triangle, but it says yeah. the three trails crossing Memorial Highway is the official name for an interchange oh. in South Kansas City, Missouri. That was once considered one of Missouri's most congested locations. Although it is known as Grandview Triangle, it says it is known as Grandview Triangle, isn't it? The Grandview Triangle.
0: I think so. I always hear it with the
1: article. I've never heard it without the article. Yeah, I think
0: it's, I think it's, it's always good, the, that sort of thing. But I, it's it's they can call it whatever they want. People are still going to call it the Grandview Triangle. They're always going to call it Sandstone, even though it's the Azura Amphitheater. They're going to call it sandstone forever, right? Kansas Cityans will always know and I'm refer gonna, to it as sandstone, right? I'm going to edit
1: this and put the in front of Granby Triangle.
0: That's Are you live editing Wikipedia? <laughs> I'm live editing Wikipedia. During the warning track Power Hour? Is that, yeah, that, um, is that a is, first?
1: It, well, I think it is, yeah,
0: because. For us, it was, anyway. It, was, it is a
1: slow news week here at the Winter Power Hour. Um, yes, the Granby Triangle. Yes, um, just to make it sound like it's normal, all right, it's on there. So, if you if you if if you go to uh Grandview Triangle Wikipedia page, slash retrails crossing Wikipedia page, it should be. I want to see if it stays that way or if there's some like weirdo that insists, will uncorrect your correction. uh, Yeah, it's just Grandview Triangle, like, like it's, I don't know, I don't, yeah, I. I, I, it's it it is. We're I'm not we're not just like I'm not. This is like crazy. It's it's the grand. It's the, the grand Gr- it prix Yes, for sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah, yes. But um, so maybe maybe um, tri- let me talk about the draft just a little bit, just a okay. little, just a little bit before we move on to football news. Sure. Is that? I think we're still going through some of this um, draft analysis from the past Royals drafts. Um, I know that you and I talked a little bit about um, the, the the concept of tanking and how it doesn't always seem like a good idea, At least, at least I don't think it seems like a good idea, for the fact that the first draft pick does not always tend to yield the best player in the draft. No. And uh, not just doesn't always, but it, I think, rarely does. Uh, but I wanted to point out specifically to take a look at the, was it the 2014 draft? Where the top two players, one didn't even sign, the number one player ended up, being not signed at all because of a uh, a uh, disagreement I guess after a uh, uh, physical showed maybe a smaller than normal UCL tendon. Yeah, that was
1: the Brady Aiken who was uh not signed by Houston even though he was picked by Houston. Aiken I think he did make the majors just in the last couple of years he played for the Phillies uh, and now he's, I
0: think he's out of baseball, but
1: yeah,
0: he, he would no, have been he, one of Bacon four. never made it to the majors. It was um, Appel that made it. Oh, next year. That uh, was Mike Appel. Yeah. We were, I was confused. Yeah. Mike Appel. Was 13 draft was Mark Appell. Yes. Mark Appel. The 14 draft. Yeah. The number one pick ended up not signing with Houston. Mark Appel was Houston too, wasn't he? Yes, that is correct. And then, uh, so, so Houston number one had pick the numbers in a row. Neither of them worked out at all for them. And then in 2014, actually, the um, Marlins selected Tyler Kolek with their first pick, which was number two overall. He also did not make the major leagues at all without a baseball within uh, four or five seasons, I think. Uh So, and and then actually, you know, the best player in that draft uh, at least in the first round, didn't come until the seventh pick. No, mm. sorry. The four, the um, 13th pick was uh, Trey Turner. Been worth about 30 war in his career. Aaron Nola was the seventh pick, 30.4. Matt Chapman was the next best, I guess, in that first round at 25 and there, you know there's a handful of players that never made the majors at all and another handful of players that have very low major league totals i don't think players should try teams should try to tank to get a better draft position but now the it's even this, because um there actually is a lottery set up now for yeah, the lottery, lottery. yeah and so the first three teams, so the, the teams with the three worst records, the 28th, 29th, and 30th in Major League Baseball, have the same odds at getting the number one overall pick. So really, being dead last doesn't help you any more than being third to last uh, when it comes to drafting. So if the, if the Royals are trying to tank for a position, they're doing it for no reason at all.
1: Well, it's not it's not um impossible the Royals don't know the new rules, but um and it's also like unlikely that we'll ever see. I think um Houston had the 2012, 2013, and 2014 number one overall picks. They only hit on one of those three. That was Carlos Correa in 2012, and then they whiffed completely on the other two. Yeah. And then they um because they didn't even sign Aiken, they got Lance Bregman at number two the next year. But Bregman's been just kind of an adequate player. So like it's unusual we think of the because they think, well, tanking is what made the Astros good. We've, because they've been really good the last several years. But a lot of it's been maybe cheating and uh, high price free agent signings and right. skullduggery, general skullduggery. Oh. And
0: I didn't even notice that 2015 draft had they there was something I always said I don't like. It happened three times at the beginning the first three players drafted were all shortstops
1: yeah, you you tend to you tend to think that the first best you know like if it's a shortstop you don't want to pick the second best shortstop you want to pick the
0: that high anyway that's best, high.
1: uh left fielder or the best pitcher, pitcher what about probably. like in, foot, in football they do this a lot they will say well the, the number one pick is going to be a quarterback and the number two pick is going to be a quarterback and maybe yeah. the number three pick might even be a quarterback uh like this yeah. year in um, the or well, like it wasn't didn't quite work out that way this year for the NFL, but like you know many of the I think Richardson was the fourth pick as a third quarterback because Houston traded back and into the, into number three, but you'll that'll be common you'll pick well one especially if there's no, like quarterbacks I guess maybe in baseball you don't have a position that's as important as quarterback although i guess you could say pitcher would you say like if you pick the number one pitcher at number one you would not want the number one pitcher at number two or is this just position players that you would
0: well so then you've got you've also got the righty lefty so you might even split pitchers into two categories maybe Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i think you you mentioned this last week too that that um you know frequently the best athlete is going to play either shortstop or center field yeah And so it may be that a lot of players are listed at center field or shortstop, but they may not end up being a center fielder or shortstop in their career as they age. Like Mustakis
1: was a shortstop when he was uh, picked up, uh, drafted, and he, of course, looking at him now, you would say that he would never be a shortstop. But maybe at Catsworth High School, uh, you know, he well, he's also in high school, so he probably didn't, you know, he was not as stocky then as he would become, but. I guess some of the players like Hosmer was a first baseman from the beginning, but maybe you have your big power guys at first and then your like athlete guys at short or um center maybe. Center. Sometimes you have maybe you have it. it seems like maybe catchers are more I don't know. Do you put you a good pitcher a good player catcher
0: more than in high school than you do in You think they certainly could. Um but yeah, the catcher position doesn't in, at least in this draft that I have up right now, the 2015 draft weren't there were, guys weren't drafted super high at the catcher position. There were only two catchers in the top in the first round, and that includes the 12 supplemental picks too. And only two catchers selected. And neither of them have done a whole lot in the major leagues. But they both made it to the majors. And, so, in yeah, I'm looking at the drafts here
1: in 20, Maybe that's a
0: more sure thing, though, to pick a catcher. It seems like you'd say that from that. In
1: 2012, the number three overall pick, Mike Zanino, was a catcher, but then there was no catcher taken until 26. Um, in 2013, um, Reese McGuire, number 14, was the highest pick catcher, Nick Chufo.
0: 2016 there were 14, three catchers taken. Kyle Schwar- Schwarber me. was
1: taken as a catcher at number four. Yeah. Schwarber, I don't think he he never played catcher for.
0: I think he may Bums have been team. listed as like the emergency catcher if the scenario came up. But that's I think that's about it, right?
1: Yeah, I don't he played outfield mostly, but it's like maybe a little bit or DH. Maybe it's a little bit like well, Mike Sweeney came up as a catcher yeah as well and he hit too well to be a catcher basically and you want him to or he didn't field well enough and hit well you know usually you want to be a really good fielder for i guess they want catchers to be really good fielders and sometimes they can hit really well like if you're salvi or somebody
0: like that but um robert did cat is um he caught 21 games in uh 2015 oh he did he caught four games in 2017 one game in 19. Yeah. So he, I think maybe he caught a little bit his first season and then only yeah. in emergency scenarios, must be later. Yeah. I was wrong, though. I, I didn't remember
1: him as a catcher at all.
0: Um, I think he did. I don't think he played there a lot, but yeah, his first year it looks like he played mostly in the outfield. Although, if he was in the American League, he probably would have been at DH probably more often than, you know, the not anyway, right? Yeah. So,
1: do so you yeah, I know was, uh, I have a I have a draft question. Sure. Um in the 2016 draft, there were only 23 first round picks. Do you have any idea why that was the case? 2016? Yeah. There's 30 Was
0: on there, my list. There are more.
1: I have, I see that there are compensatory picks. I've got
0: 30 plus th- the 11 compensatory picks is what is I have
1: 24. Point. I have 24 to 34. In twenty five so I have one through. What? Yeah. I have one through 23 as teams, then 24 to 34 is compensatory, and then competitive balance 35 through.
0: Oh this this just shows 1 through 30 who does it have as 24 okay so it's 24 this is a wikipedia so oh, it interested. is it is a padres again though padres had two picks 24 25 it must be yeah. oh well so i bet that's what it, they're it's um for um losing qualified free agents i think was the um the compensatory picks maybe they must actually count as full first round picks though
1: the competitive balance. So, like, it says, yeah, I see compensatory round and then competitive balance. And, but like, yeah, it was so I only have one through 23 as different teams. So, like, the Yankees, it, no, that, for example.
0: This, it, uh, it um, baseball references doesn't show them as a different po- portion of the round,
1: mm-hmm. but it
0: does have the Padres picking 24, 25, and they'd already picked eight. So, they, uh, okay. this is a different type of round, though, but it doesn't show that as any difference in the, uh, yeah. Baseball reference in
1: 2017, it looks like there are 27
0: first round picks. In 2018, there's
1: 30. So I'm not sure what happened. Well, so, so the team in 24
0: and 25 positions must have selected a free agent from the Padres. So they seeded their pick to the Padres. So they like signed a free agent away from, ah. from them. So the, they were like, the picks are seeded back to the team that lost the player. That makes sense. So I think that yeah, I don't follow the major league baseball draft as much. You can't trade picks in baseball. You have to. mm -hmm. You can't. They're not part of the, uh, um, you know, an asset that can be swapped with another team. The uh, draft picks are yours and yours alone, unless you forfeit them or, uh, you know, seed them away in a in a uh, free agent signing. For a protected player. So. Yeah, that's one of the few differences, I think, between the drafts and the different leagues, right? Yeah. But, but for the uh, Royals, they did, when they got Drew
1: Waters, they did sort of trade a draft pick to get him last year. Um, apparently, they uh, set prospects from Atlanta Casey in exchange for a competitive balance round pick, which I guess maybe you can
0: trade. That's the supplement... Picks you can trade. Yes, they can't be traded straight up for cash. They have to have players heading back. Yeah, because. yeah. So I think the official Drew Waters trade, I think, just shows it as cash, but then it's the uh, competitive balance pick as part of that cash swap. I think.
1: Yeah. So
0: yeah,
1: it's a strange. It seems strange that you can't trade the draft picks, um, but. I think that comes from just older fashioned because the draft has been, well, they don't, they don't even have as many rounds as they used to because they don't have as many minor league teams as they used to because major league teams wanted to get the minor leagues just because they were losing a little bit of money.
0: It was some of them. I guess they say it's expensive to run, but they all sell tickets too, so it's it's hard to say.
1: Yeah, they don't play and they don't pay their pay any money to those. Players that play basically. They're, They're, uh, it's, I don't know but most of them. Minimum wage kind of and, scale, yeah. but no, whatever. Um, my local minor league team that I go to see play sometimes, the Altoona Curve is still in the division, So I'm happy about
0: Do they have more attendance than the Royals have? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but,
1: um, no. But kids do like to come out and see Altoona. Yes. Uh, Mascot uh, uh, around, but I don't know. Do we should we? Remove, are we have we talked enough baseball? Do we want to? Yeah, move on. Uh, we don't have much to talk about for the Chiefs. The Chiefs did, I I guess, receive their uh, Super Fifty Seven championship rings. Uh, they were um, six hundred plus diamonds in each <laughs> right. one, right? Has three Lombardi trophies represented for the three chief Super Bowl trophies. I think it's always interesting that they they want that one Super Bowl four they they attach to the uh I guess it's the franchise, but yeah you can't keep adding all the Lombardis after you know if if Mahomes wins you know a couple of them, you are gonna be able to fit those on one ring. But um, anything notable about the um rings to you? They were manufactured by Jostens, the uh, same uh company that manufactures many of the high school graduation rings uh worn in this country um you think it's Our funny? Class
0: rings i believe for Justin. so we basically have super bowl rings right is that i, I didn't get a class ring so i didn't no. i don't do you have a class ring i think so somewhere maybe yeah
1: I, 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 you've done many more things besides graduate from high school and so you don't wear yeah i didn't I'm, i don't know that I, I ever wore it ever maybe even at all i don't know Justin's had a uh is is the major as we learned today two major rivals in the class ring slash graduate graduation regalia paraphernalia um uh business and one of those is herf jones which i had known about but there's apparently a third company that um jostens competes against as along with herf jones who they actually sued at one point the lg balfour company uh do you know any of these companies
0: besides Justin's?
1: No, don't have
0: I, yeah, I didn't know anything about him. most yeah. really any of them. I mean I knew of Justin's because they make class rings, and that's probably by it. No, <laughs> yeah. So they're who owns Herf Jones though, Mike. Well, we uh
1: it was once Herf and Jones, uh two men came together with an eye with a vision to uh you know, construct quality, high quality class, class rings for high school graduates around the country. But eventually, I believe Herb Jones was purchased by different conglomerates, but most recently purchased by Mitt Romney's old company, Bain Capital. Um, it must be a good investment if it's Bain Capital that owns it, right? It has to be. It's a
0: many billion dollar company, right?
1: Do you think Romney has a... Do you think Romney wears a Herf Jones ring? Probably. He probably has to, doesn't he? Yeah. Does he still work for Bane Capital? I don't know if he's still... I guess he's a senator now, so he probably can't work for
0: Bane. I think he's contractually obligated to from from his time there to continue to wear Herf Jones. Yes. Probably, right?
1: so it's in the it's in the halls of power herf jones you think maybe jo- does jones have a similar um connection to our country's elite ooh i don't know Do herf they? jones was was this close to the presidency yeah. uh, <laughs> is that what we're saying that's i think so that is i think that is what we're saying so i guess we so but but the chiefs still didn't go with herf jones they went with justins uh to design uh their rings and I yeah I I, I just find it funny that Justin's does, does Super Bowl championship rings and 1997 uh NKC high school graduation
0: rings. Justin's is only owned by a, what, a slightly smaller conglomerate than Bain or is it larger? Do we know? Um platinum equity Platinum Equity. Well, I haven't heard of Platinum Equity, so. Uh, they paid over platinum. a billion dollars for... Uh, for Jostens.
1: Yeah, Platinum Equity was founded by a guy named Tom Gores, mm-hmm. born Tufik Georgius. Oh. He's Arabic. He's born in the city of Nazareth, uh, now in Israel. Uh, he Oh, so he was... Uh, Tufik Georgius, uh was born in a plastic in a, in a practicing Catholic family with a father of Greek descent and a mother of get this Andrew Gaff Lebanese uh, descent. So he might be one of your uh, countrymen, uh, one of your maybe one of your family members. So maybe yeah. that's why you have Jostens uh, uh, kind of uh, brand loyalty because maybe i tied to Justins in some man. way. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. And so uh, Tom Gores, as he became known, he uh, moved, uh, left Nazareth, also, of course, where uh, Jesus, uh, his hometown, even though he was born in Bethlehem, he, he was raised in Nazareth, according to the New Testament. Tom Gores um, left Nazareth uh, and moved to Genesee, Michigan. I had to look up where Genesee, Michigan, is. I assumed it was close to Detroit. It is not, hmm. um, but as well, Genesee is a biblical name, an old timey form of Genesis. So yes, it's 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 uh, all coming together here. And yeah. of course, Mitt Romney has his interesting sort of uh, Mormon uh, heritage uh, as part of BankCap, and also from Michigan. Oh. So,
0: so uh, Bain Capital is about five times the size of Platinum Equity. Oh. Bain, one hundred sixty-five billion-dollar
1: fund. So, but Platinum, the Platinum Equity also has the metal platinum in its name. So do they yeah. think that that that?
0: Uh, but it's only so... worth about thirty-six billion, though. To Bain's one hundred sixty-five. Ooh, yeah, Bain is so bigger. We've got an
1: edge. Yeah, Genesee, Michigan. It is. I, yeah, there's a Genes- there's a Genesee beer in this part of the country, but that's from Rochester, New York. Uh ah. because the Genese I believe the Genesee River flows through. I always like to hear the name Genesee when it kind of it seems kind of much of Tennessee, but it's also sort of old timey, like in Oh uh, Brother, Where Art Thou?" They mentioned uh, when um you've you seen you've seen o Brother." Oh yeah, when um. Uh, John Goodman is uh, the Bible salesman. And yeah, he sells the uh, the good book from Genesis to Revelations, as he says, and he beats up That's Everett sick. and Delmer and smashes the toad that they think is actually, uh, yeah, they think is John DeGerner. But yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's a great movie. Anyway. Anyway, so but we're we're really stretching here to go for uh, content. Um,
0: did, did you, you like know, the uh, the the rings? Then were I, I I think they're fine. I don't know they're they're too gaudy. Did you like the detachable idea. portion that can become a pendant?
1: Oh, yeah, it can become a uh, a miniature pendant. I guess. And is that better? I guess it's it's does it come, do you, does it come with a chain
0: though? Is that part of it, or do you have to supply you your mean, own? You chain? You might have had to supply your own chain. Hmm. But the ring, what was left after you detached, though, had like the arrowhead, um, you know, stadium grounds on it with another trophy. So it was Ooh. still like even if you took the you know gaudy diamond part off the top, there was still like something there that was like, you know, to look at. Oh, that was interesting. It's a little bit like the um,
1: the tangible face of a car stereo that <laughs> you would take off, so a thief would not steal it. Yeah. But you still had a stereo; you wouldn't have to carry out the whole stereo yeah, you. Just... Here, you can take the blingiest yeah. part off and still have a ring, but maybe one that would be not as um, attractive <laughs> to thieves, to criminal elements. But also, there's something you're going to lose. There's a little piece that breaks. Probably you can't quite put it on again. Right. You know, the, the more moving pieces there are, I think, to things, usually the more things that can go wrong. No. I. You know. Um, but no, but no microchips or anything. So no microchips. Um, but one person who did not receive a Super Bowl ring because he's he left the Chiefs right before this past season was Harry Hill, who's in perhaps. Another kind of legal, uh, sort of involved in maybe some more legal trouble. He apparently, I looked at this a little bit more closely. He slapped a worker at some marina in hmm. Miami in the back of the head, like a uh, you know, um, and and a now... stevedore, <laughs> well, the stevedore. No, it was a Marina. It, it was not a Stevedore. Not yeah, a it, was a launch it was not a dock. It was it was a it was a charter boat operator or person, and I don't know why um, mm. he uh, hit this person. And law enforcement is investigating. This happened on Sunday, apparently. Mm. But according to the things I've read, the guy is not pressing charges. Although I don't know what happened. Did anything happen? Remember when Devonte Adams? Uh, ran into the guy when he was leaving the field uh this past season. Oh yeah. Did that, anything happen with that?
0: It sounded like there was a potential suit, but I don't know if they actually brought it or or uh if they just let it go. Or what I don't know, no, I don't know.
1: It says the court date has been rescheduled for June twenty sixth in an older article.
0: But no, that's maybe that's like there's still something
1: week going on with that. So maybe maybe we'll have to, maybe that will be updated uh by the time we are uh, yeah that'd be next monday so hour. uh these sort of run-ins that with low lower level uh workers and uh high priced wide receivers in the national football league uh, they don't seem to treat the the help uh very well or at least the uh, working man maybe we should, maybe we would call it rather than the help i think was a little bit more uh, dignity working class Americans and yeah, so I don't I don't know what will happen with Kari it was you know it's another incident uh, but maybe it maybe this is gonna be nothing who knows but it's uh I don't we're, we're really grasping at straws I think for yeah. content. I don't really have any other uh, mm-hmm. NFL information or we've already uh, talked about the Royals a little bit too much for either of our likings especially we love to talk about the royals when they are at least doing something right and it seems like they're doing just about nothing right right now and even not even just kind of uh passively doing nothing right they're actively uh making things worse uh, especially if, given your analysis with the uh the way the pitching staff has been handled and also the the way the, the uh lineups have been handled and so if you can't get the pitching down you can't get the lineups down well there's not much left uh
0: is there I, it's no. it's, those, it's are, those are the basics i guess they're yeah. too, so maybe that's fielding.
1: but the people who are fielding are in the lineup i guess so it's, it's, it's and
0: they're also being shuffled around too like they're not uh playing the same positions every day so that's that's another thing that that drives me crazy at least anyway. But those yeah those hapless royals
1: we're getting back into like the early aughts kind of or late nineties sort of royals it seems like. But maybe things will turn around. Yeah, who knows? No. Maybe this season they will, you know, um, rally and get red, red hot and win sixty games, or sixty three games and prevent a hundred loss season. Uh, doing so, they still you know like you had mentioned they still could get that number one draft pick next year uh based on percentages it would behoove them not to uh just try to lose for losing's sake
0: because but they can still get the number one draft pick if they finish um 13th you can still have a percentage chance you know point, it's very small 0.2% chance to get the number one pick if you're 13th best record in the league just outside the playoffs mm mm-hmm. Because it's all every team that does not make the playoffs is in the lottery for the number one pick.
1: It's technically like the like the NBA.
0: Yeah, uh, but but you know your percentages are much higher as you go up. But the best percentage is still only sixteen and a half percent. I don't know why you'd risk you know being forcibly bad for a sixteen percent chance. Yeah, that's, that's a guy that might or might not be successful in yeah. five to six years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's more likely than not technically, it's fifty point five percent to forty nine point five percent that a non bottom three team will win the number one draft pick uh in this system, which is I think is I guess is designed to prevent things like the Astros from happening, but I don't know if it's necessarily any
0: Well and, and just for I mean just from even from this season, the Royals were I believe the fifth worst team so they were you know if, if it was a traditional draft they would have picked fifth but because this is the first year of the lottery rules they actually slid to eighth so you know they should already know that the odds of getting the one overall you
1: yeah. know it's, yeah. not,
0: it's not like a guarantee by any means and even like you know picking higher than your your perceived slot based on your finishing your finished record um it's no guarantee that you'll even you know get to pick better or worse or your own slide. i mean there's no yeah it's all it's it's leaving it up to chance and i don't think there's uh anything that says you should you know bet on that being your future it'll be interesting to see as well like in the in maybe
1: 5 or 6 years when when the players have reached the majors like if the royals could have picked fifth this year like a normal year were they did they miss out on a good player that was fifth and they picked somebody yeah. that was eight or did they somehow uh get a better player that at eight than maybe they would have at five or they've drafted the same player anyway we don't really know
0: yeah what i'm gonna assume is they they're probably gonna over they're gonna stretch somebody that's um you know grew up in kansas city that nobody saw as a top 30 pick and they'll take him in the eighth spot, and they would have taken him in five, also. Right? So even or yeah. one, it did not matter where they were, they would take the guy they wanted, uh, regardless of how, what anyone else thought of them. That's been their kind of history, at least anyway. And yeah, I don't think that works. It's
1: a little like the Warning Track Power Hour. Regardless of what anyone thinks of us, we are still doing it every single week, and we will be back again next week with another Warning Track Power Hour. And so I, I I think we'll probably sign off uh, for uh, this week's episode. We we ended up filling a little bit of time. We're about an hour, I think. So we did make our power hour, even if we uh, had to uh, talk about you know Bain Capital and uh, you know things like that for uh, uh, you know many minutes that none of you will ever get back if you listen if you uh, listen all the way through, which I, I'm sure you did because you're a dedicated listener to our high quality program here so uh, from all of us at, uh, here uh, um, I am Dr. Michael Warman. he is Dr. Andrew Scaff we are the warning track power hour please like and subscribe to our podcast slash YouTube channel and we will be back again next week with many many more exciting stories and analysis from the world world of sports and until we see you next time we will bid you good day